Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, glad you're with us, everybody. Welcome to the Monday edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson, First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Glad you're with us this afternoon. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Uh, first home game coming up this Saturday. Great time to call Dickie's. They can cater your home, your uh, tailgating activities. They can uh, tailgate uh, with you and uh, make sure that you have the best food on the campus. Dickie's Barbecue, thank them for their support of the Eagle Hour. All right, so the Golden Eagles fall hard in the opening game, 31-7 to to South Alabama. Lee Roberts joins us uh, on a Tuesday that seems like a Monday, Lee, but it is Tuesday, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. Glad to be here, and uh, as always, each, each week, it's good to talk and visit with you guys and, of course, talk about Southern Miss football, but... Yeah, tough, uh, tough weekend for sure. All right, Lee, I'm going to ask you this question to start off. Give, just give me your overall impression of the difference in the South Alabama team and the Southern Miss team uh, Saturday night. Well, I'm going I'm to start by saying this. You know, I've, I've seen this team in the spring, and I've seen them through fall camp. And the, the team that I saw, you know, at practices was not the team that I saw on Saturday. So, I mean, we just – we didn't execute. We didn't do the things that we needed to, um, you know, obviously throwing and catching and, and running the football and turning the football over are uh, a, a big part of it, and, and we just did not do things very well. So what I did see, I, I did see a South Alabama team that, that wanted to win. They wanted to give their first-year head coach a, a win, um, and, and I just think, you know, bottom line, they, they wanted it a little more. You know, we came out and took the first score, and, and that was the only score we were able to – scrape away at all throughout the game and you know not that and I'm not saying that South Alabama is a a great football team they're they're a team that was coached well I think they had some playmakers that did things uh, that they needed to and they capitalized on turnovers and uh but but I know for Southern Miss offensively we just we just did not produce like we needed to and and it was somewhat disappointing because I've seen Trey Lowe get better and I know Frank Gore is a great running back but um you know, this, this is a team, and I think Coach Hall addressed it at the end. I mean, he said we're just we didn't we didn't play very good. We're not very good, and we we got a lot a lot of things to get better at. So it's um, but it, it's week one, so we got a long way to go. I saw two things that reminded me of a lot of the issues that we all saw last year: uh, the inability to run the football. Gore just runs into a wall. It seemed like most of the time that uh, he carried the football. And then again, giving up big, big plays—you know, big, long yardage plays defensively. You know, we did, and I mean, I'll, I'll kind of address the second one first. I mean, Jalen Tolbert for South Alabama, their wide receiver was was really good at, at getting open, using his body, making guys miss in the open field, um, and and he just is—he's going to be a guy that we will probably get to watch on Sunday at some point, but. Um, now, as far as our running game, again, this is an area that was a big, big focus. I know Doc, uh, Coach Darvo has, has done a great job, and 
I mean, up front, our line is probably the most experienced group on this whole team as far as, um, you know, starts combined with those guys. And, yeah, at first I felt like we did run the ball a little better than than the second half. But And I think the, the focus was to try to run the ball early. And, uh, you know, as, as the game went on, we just were unable to run it more. And I think that was because, you know, we were not very efficient passing the game. And those two things go hand in hand. One will open up the other. And since we couldn't pass, they were able to key in on the run. And therefore, um, the second half, we were not very good there either. All right, Luke, you saw the same game Lee, the same game Lee and I did. Uh, your thoughts and your questions uh, for Lee Roberts. Just a comment, I think really, I think Coach Hall said it after the game, that the reason uh, that we had to abandon the running game is because they kind of sold out to it starting the, the second half. And, Lee, that was because Trey Lowe was, was very inefficient in the first half. And, and you can comment on this as a former quarterback. It seemed as if he was like one read or one progression behind. The, the times where there was a guy wide open – he was a half of a second or a second late to, to making that decision to throw, and it just seemed as if when guys were covered, he he uh, perhaps forced a, a throw in there. Is that kind of the same thing you saw? No, I agree. I mean, I, I knew going in, if you look at our offense, you knew that if Trey Lowe didn't play well, we weren't going to play well. If, if Frank Gore can't run the football, we're not going to play well. And if Jason Brownlee's not involved, we're not going to play well. And so we need all three of those guys to be – a part of it, and I think South Alabama's defensive plan, um, they took Jason Brownlee out of the equation, didn't even allow him to get one catch. I know he had a couple drops, which that, that hurts offensively as well. Um, but when you're, when you're Trey Lowe and you know your, your main guy, your uh, top receiver is Jason Brownlee and you can't get the ball to him, you start to get somewhat frustrated. And I'm sure Brownlee was getting frustrated as well. And I knew there was a time in the game where we didn't see much of Brownlee you know, we saw some bright spots with, uh, you know, Brad Dennis and Jacarius Caston. So some other guys, some young guys stepping up. But, um, yeah, Trey Lowe, he's, one thing for sure is he's got to be able to, you know, feel comfortable in the pocket. And I think he even mentioned after the game that um, he, he, was, he was not comfortable. And, you know, whether it was, you know, his lack of getting hit during the, the spring and fall, I'm not sure. I mean, you don't want your number one quarterback to get hit. So, um, but – uh, again, it's game one. A lot of a lot of things that that he will work on that he's got to work on, and uh, and I, I know Coach Hall. He's he's going to get that team much much better for game two. Yeah, when you look at the the rushing, um, and I know Trey had to to scramble some, but I mean Frank Gore nineteen rushes for eighty three yards. Trey Lowe, 19 rushes for 55 yards, and it seems as if he got hit. I thought it should have been a targeting penalty. Uh, it was a helmet-to-helmet shot, at the very least a personal foul. He, he wasn't really the same after that. I think that was drive one or drive two. But, Lee, did you expect him to run that much? I mean, the design runs they had for him? You know, I mean, he, he's an athlete. He's a, you know, he's a pass-first quarterback, but yet he is a runner, too. I mean, he's a guy that can tuck it and run. And, and you know, in this day and age, if you have a dual-threat quarterback – you know, you've got to count for him, and um, and whether he was just feeling like his arm wasn't going to get the job done, he felt like he could help things with his legs. And you know, he's you know, although he's a, still a young quarterback as a sophomore, he's he's pretty experienced because he's been in different systems, and um, you know, he's in his third system now, which which may be part of you know why he was inefficient early and just you know not comfortable yet, but. You know, I think Trey Lowe will continue to be a guy that will use his legs to get him out of situations and uh, hopefully to help him as well. 
All right, Lee. Next up is Grambling. They beat uh, Tennessee State sixteen to ten. It's hard to it's hard to say uh, what that means. Uh, I don't know that you ever played against a SWAC football team, but uh, with Troy after Grambling State and then Alabama, this is uh, <laughs> I hate to say this after one game, but this is a really important game for the Golden Eagles to improve in. No, it is, and uh, you know I think Grambling's a team that's hungry too, and you know they want to come in here and. Um, try to make a statement for sure on our home turf. Turf, but you know, being home opener, I know it's going to be a, a, again a lot of nerves, a lot of butterflies for our guys. Hopefully, the you know the crowd is very supportive. I, I think they will. A lot of things going on on campus, but you know, a very important game. You're right. I mean, I said it in pregame about last game about South Alabama that it was not a must win, but you need to go and do things to improve. Um, but I feel like this is this is a must win because. You know, Troy's a good ball team that we're going to see in week three, and, and we know what Alabama is in week four, and that's before you ever get into conference play. Uh, and, and Grambling is. I mean, they're going to be a, a team that they've got a dual-threat th- dual quarterback, a guy that can throw it and run it, and um, and we're going to have to be prepared. But, yeah, a game for sure that we need to come out uh, on top. Yeah, we saw conference teams go uh, win in Big Ten stadiums and ACC stadiums uh uh, beating some Power Five schools, uh, this is not going to be an easy year uh, unless the Golden Eagles improve dramatically. No, I totally agree. I mean, you know, and and a lot of people talk about Conference USA, but you're right. I mean, this is a this is a conference that is getting better. I mean, uh, you know, Charlotte had a had a good game the other day. Obviously, um, you know, UTSA a big win. So there's a, there's a lot of teams that are going to compete, and um, La Tech taking Mississippi State to the end of the game as well. So yeah, especially on our side of the conference, there's a there's a lot of really good teams. So we gotta we gotta have a good next three weeks and really get all the kinks worked out before we start conference play. All right, thirty seconds left. Your message to Golden Eagle fans after Saturday. You know, one just uh, I think Coach Hall said, don't give up on this team. I mean, like I said, I've seen what this team can do. They've got a lot of heart. They've got a lot of belief, and they're continuing to get better each and every week. And it's it's going to take time. So. Uh, game one is behind us. We're pressing on to game two against Grambling. A lot of things going on on campus. And, you know, obviously the home opener of the guys would love to see the crowd, um, you know, rocking and rolling as, as I would as well. All right, Lee, we appreciate you. Look forward to having you on the Eagle Hour each and every Tuesday afternoon. Thank you, sir. Hey, sounds good. Appreciate you guys. All right, Lee Roberts, everybody. Great former quarterback for the Golden Eagles. Play-by-play uh, team is the color analyst for the play-by-play team for Southern Miss Radio. He'll be joining us every Tuesday, 1 o'clock. Heath Hinton will be, too. He's next from Big Gold Nation on the Eagle Hour. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, I want to thank Lee Roberts for joining us. I look forward to having Lee on the show every Tuesday. This segment of the show is sponsored by our good friends at uh, Campus Bookmart at campusbookmart.net. They're open six days a week right there on Hardy Street. You can shop them online seven days a week at campusbookmart.net. 
greatest selection of Southern Miss apparel anywhere in the planet. All right, Heath Hinton from Big Gold Nation. He also joins us on Tuesdays, and uh, he's with us right now. Heath, uh, opening game under the belt. I'm going to describe it in one word, and then I'm going to let you give us your description. Ugly is the uh, ugly is the uh, term that I come up with. I think ugly. You could use ugly. I think you could use uh, just bad. I think bad's just a, a generic word you can use because it wasn't the performance that uh, Golden Eagle fans were expecting. It wasn't the performance that the Golden Eagle coaches were were expecting. And I think you saw that when Will Hall said, "This is on me." Uh, he said, "This is the worst offensive performance he's ever had as a head coach." He didn't deny it and uh, took it on the chin and said they'll get better, stay with them. So uh, big game this week, big game this week. Well, actually, yeah, a, a really big game. We we talked to Lee Roberts about that. We we talked about some you know various things that we saw. But from your perspective, what were the what were the two most disappointing things you saw uh, in this football game? I think the two most disappointing things I saw was, uh, number one, was offensive play, and number two, uh, just the inability to uh, – the, the team just did not have much – it didn't seem like they had much emotion after uh, they really got punched in the face uh, after scoring first, and uh, a couple of – they made a couple of mistakes, and it just seemed like the sales were out of them. And uh, I think that's the most disappointing thing to me. Yeah, but how how can that happen when you when you've got a brand new coaching staff and there's been so much excitement and so much hype building up uh, to the season? How how from a player standpoint can you come out flat footed and unemotional? I don't think they came out flat footed and unemotional. What I think was they didn't – this team has not been able to bounce back from, say, you know, something bad happening. I thought they come out and they played hard. Uh, they got the first score of the game. Uh, was it, Did it look good? No, but they still got the first score of the game. I think once, uh, you know, there was a score, turnovers, things like that, I think that, you know, the team just got back on their heels and they were never able to punch back out of it, so to speak. I think that's what happens. I think sometimes things build up, and you got to understand this team going through three coaches last year, and the message this fall was we're going to be better. This is a better football team. This is a better football team. And what they were doing on the field was not indicative of that. I think players start, you know, feeling not only they feel bad for themselves, but I think things weigh up on their shoulders, and after a while – it just it feels like you're fighting uphill. Luke, let me ask you this question, and this may be the question nobody really wants to bring up, but how much better talent-wise does this team need to get uh, to, to be competitive for a conference championship? Talent wise, I, I mean, I think if just like X's and or, uh, you know Jimmys and Joes, I think they're there. But when you when you have uh, you know insufficient play at the quarterback position or indecisiveness at the quarterback position, it, it, you can't afford to have that because then everything else around you 
you know, falls to a level. And I, I think that's why you heard what Trey Lowe said, you know, after the game, taking taking responsibility. So from a talent perspective, I mean, I think they're there. Um, and, and then there's a question I want to ask Keith, but go ahead, and, and that's my response to that. No, go ahead. Ask your question. Heath, I guess if there, there's, there's really, I, I got two questions. First, what would the game be like without, you know, Harold's fumble on the, uh, on the kickoff return? And what would the game be like, you know, if you score, uh, both of those times inside the 10 yard line? I felt like overall, the, the kickoff return fumble was really ultimately was the biggest turning point of the game. Sure. Let's not forget, uh, Frank Gore dropped a sure touchdown pass. Just went through his hands. Um, uh, you know, there was mistakes made in the red zone. Three different uh, – there were there were four chances for Southern Miss to score, and they didn't capitalize on it. Two in the red zone. Um, man, it's a situation – when you're talking about the quarterback, I do want to add that if you go back and watch the game, it seemed like that, that, that Trey – really got hit pretty hard. And it seemed that maybe you talked earlier about maybe being slow on his reads. It seemed like in the third quarter, though, he started throwing the ball a little better when they spread when they yeah. spread things out. I wonder if that didn't have some type of effect on him in the second quarter. He would never admit it, but it could possibly. Um, I think that had a lot to do with it as well. I think once you look at Southern Miss as a team, if Trey Lowe's got to throw 30 times a game, this team isn't going to be successful. If Frank Gore doesn't have 100 yards rushing, this team isn't going to be successful. And neither one of those things happened. Um, you can't have Trey Lowe throwing 30 times. You need him between 20 and 22, maybe 24 times, and you got to have Frank Gore Jr. getting 100 yards rushing. And a lot of times it just seemed like that on running plays with Frank Gore Jr., it seemed like the plays were slow to develop sometimes running. Uh, and that may be a situation where uh, you just just things didn't seem like they moved real fluid in the running game. Uh, but you can't have Trey Lowe taking as many shots as he took. I know he's a big sure. kid. Yes, he's 236, 230. But still, those guys that are hitting him are 6'3", 240, 250. Some of the defensive linemen are bigger. So you've got to be careful. He can't take those type of shots all game. Yeah, and he's got to learn when, when to throw the ball away. There was a few times where he just tried to For duck sure. it and run it and, and take guys on head on, so he's got to learn to slide better. I think I think that's that's the point is, is right. I think that hit did more than what we thought. The silver lining, and, and I guess what I was kind of surprised in, because all the scrimmages that had led up to this, we were getting destroyed in the running game. The defense was. But when you look on uh, Saturday, the rushing defense was obviously, other than the, the punting, Mason Hunt had an incredible game, but the rushing defense was the, the bright spot. 31 attempts by South Alabama for, th- uh, I'm sorry, 34 attempts for 31 net yards. They averaged less than a yard. That was something that really surprised me. Yeah, the defense, the front seven played well. Uh, I thought Hayes Maples came, uh, boy, he was, uh, He's tough against the run. He made some plays hitting wise that were uh, that were pretty outstanding. I, I, I mean, you look at all the linebackers. Uh, it was the front seven played well, and sometimes in the back, the back end played well. Look, Talbert is a guy that 
there's nobody going to stop. This guy's going to be playing on Sunday, and he's probably going to be a first-round draft pick. He is good. He's fast. He can use his body to uh, to kind of shield him from uh, defensive players. He's got great hands. He's hard to cover, so him he's going to get his yards. But once again, I'll say it, you had chances to score. You had chances to score, and then you – make this game a lot closer. Leaving, leaving as we say, a, kick, a punt return for a touchdown, a pass that goes through hands that would have been a score. You've got two fumbles inside the red zone. There's 28 points could be right there. Right. Um, this game could be totally different if you don't make those mistakes. So as bad as it, the bad as the team looked, they still, they created chances to score, they just didn't capitalize off of it. All right. Well, we you know it's, we uh, want to tough. We want to be you know perfectly honest. They they did give up thirty one unanswered points, Heath, and uh, and obviously uh, that's something that you can't. One do was on the forward. offense. Yeah. One, one was on the offense. The pick six at the end. Yeah. The pick yeah. six at the end. Yeah, that was kind of an interception, trash interception. I don't want to say trash interception, but trying to do something when there wasn't something there when you were down. All right. But All right. other than that, twenty four points. Uh, 45 seconds left. Uh, here comes Grambling. How does Grambling stack up to South Alabama? Uh, South Alabama's a much better team. There's no question about that. Look, Southern Miss should never go into a game where you you shouldn't have expectations to beat uh, a swag school and beat them uh, you know, pretty well, beat them by two or three touchdowns. That should be the expectation expectations right now. Southern Miss has to get things cleared up. To me, I'm not overlooking Grambling because I think Grambling is good, but they need to do some things well this week and get things going in the right direction. The big game is in a couple of weeks when they play Troy again. How do they match up with Troy now? If they can get things straightened up, Troy comes in and beat Troy, then you can say things are on an uptick. Right now, they just have to keep getting better and better because, you know, this schedule is not getting any easier, especially with Conference USA. Conference USA is a lot better this year. All right, Heath Hinton, everybody. Big Gold Nation, thanks, Heath, for your time. Uh, We'll talk to you again next week. Second half of the Eagle Hour, just around the break. Kelly Sander joins us. Get his analysis of the game Saturday night. Look ahead to the Grambling Tigers coming to the Rock. Stay with us. Southern Miss to the top. Back on a Tuesday. Appreciate Heath Hinton joining us of Big Gold Nation. You can subscribe and be an insider today. Always appreciate Lee Roberts joining us as he does every week in that first segment. Third segment, the Eagle Hour, brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. Hand-pattied hamburger steak, fresh with rice and gravy, toast, and a cheesy Cauliflower casserole is what you missed out on today. You shouldn't miss out. You should just go to their Facebook page about 9, 30, 10 o'clock every morning. You can find out what's for lunch 
eight ninety five. It always includes a drink, Four Street Bar and Grill, and of course, lots of sports going on as baseball season winds down, football season heats up. They'll have it all on the televisions at Four Street Bar and Grill. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, and Laurel Kelly Sander joins us. And uh, Kelly just football the uh, the talk today. Disappointing, um, overwhelmed. Uh, a lot of people think the sky is falling. Uh, your immediate thoughts kind of just, uh, I, I guess let me ask you a, a couple questions to start with. And then what, what disturb, there's a lot of dis, you know, disturbing things when you, when you see disturbing the relative term, I get it. But what, what bothered you the most, maybe two things that bothered you the most on Saturday night? They were both on the offensive side of the ball. Um, number one is their inability to stretch the field. The receivers could get no separation, you know, whatsoever, which leads me to the second point. Again, I've never coached a game of college football, so I could be, I could be wrong here, but from what I saw, the Eagles as a team just don't look to be very fast. They just don't. Um, and that's, and that's going to be a problem, obviously. Now, this is a South Alabama team that was projected to finish second to last in their division of the Sun Belt. And this is a team that beat Southern Miss 31 to 7. This is not Alabama. It is South Alabama. <laughs> okay. And another thing that's concerning is that for the second year in a row now, South Alabama has handled the Eagles. Remember back when you were play, playing Luke and even in the years before that, Southern Miss could go to the panhandle of Florida and recruit just about anybody they wanted and get them. Well, now South Alabama is going to be able to go to the panhandle of Florida if they haven't already and, and be in competition with Southern Miss for players. And South Alabama is going to be able to say, why would you want to play at Southern Miss when we've beaten them pretty, you know, we've, we've beaten them two years in a row and the second time, you know, pretty handily. Um, so that, that's concerning, you know, to me. And it is just the first game. I get that. And on a positive note, because I don't want to be a total negative Nelly, I, I really want to applaud the Southern Miss Golden Eagle Nation, because they were there. They, they sold more than their allotment of tickets. Uh, we were at a place called Heroes in Mobile on uh, Saturday, and the place was inundated with Southern Miss fans. They were do, even doing some, some um, you know, random Southern Miss cheers. Now, the rest of the people were watching the Alabama game on TV, but very few South Alabama fans, a lot of Southern Miss fans were there, they were there in numbers. The USM Alumni Association tent was overrun with people. A lot of tailgaters there. So the Southern Miss fans were there in numbers and were there to make some noise and then were just flabbergasted by, by what they saw. I will also say I'm not, I am not as quick to, to pull the plug on Trey Lowe. I think it was just a bad game uh, for him. And I do agree with Heath Hinton. But the more that, that he runs the ball, the more it's, be, it's going to be concerning to me because just like running backs are the first ones to tend to go down in the National Football League, if you've got a quarterback that keeps taking a pounding like that, um, that could cause you know, some problems. Defensively, I thought, you know, as you mentioned, Luke, they gave up very few yards running. Uh, they, they did get burnt a couple of times on, on pass plays, um, but – when you have a defense that's going to fly to the ball like that, sometimes you're going to get burned, you know, going to make the play and you miss it and, and they make it. And Tolbert, if you look back at the statistics from last year, Tolbert killed the Eagles last year. You yeah, know? yeah, and then, 160 yards or so. 
Yeah, last year, and then and then does the same thing this year. So I mean, he's, he's a great player. Well, but go ahead. Two things about that. Um, Austin Armstrong told us the very first time he was on the Eagle Hour, he said, "You know, we're going to bring pressure, and he's we're going to you know play man outside." And he admitted that. He said, "We're going to get burnt occasionally." You know, right. when when they got crossed up on the goal line, when we gave up, you know, that guy was wide. The tight end was wide open. We brought pressure. It was like third and gold. We had just stopped them on first and second down. I get it. I mean, I I give up. I, that's what I, I sat down after that on that third and goal, and I said, "Listen." We were trying to get to the quarterback. It was a great play call. And, and I mean, part of, part, let, let's give credit where credit's due. Major Applewhite's a good play caller. He's a good offensive coordinator. Didn't have that great of a success as a head coach, but he was, he's been a good offensive coordinator. And I mean, some of that was just, you know, they, they out, out schemed us occasionally. I, what I enjoyed, I, some, there was a few plays I didn't even watch the game. I just watched our coaches on the sideline. And and I think Austin Armstrong is going to when it's all said and done, he's going to be a really really good defensive coordinator. And the reason for that is, it was it was fun to watch his energy on the sideline and to watch him get mad and to watch him celebrate when things happen. And the Eagles had I think it was like four four and a half sacks in, in the game. So I'm like you, Kelly. You know they they gave up 24 points, um, or like 31 points. One was on the offense. That's pick six. Uh, they get they get up 24. One was uh, the very short field after the kickoff return. So the defense basically gave up 17 points, and in most games you'll, you'll win when, if, if that's the case. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But now when you look at the rest of the league, you know, UTSA goes up to Illinois and wins, all right, which I've kind of made fun of UTSA. I just didn't see where all the love was coming from. But uh, if, if the first game is any indication, they're pretty good. UAB throws a shutout in week one. All right. You've also got Rice that took Arkansas to the to the fourth quarter. As you guys mentioned, La Tech, for all practical purposes, should have beaten Mississippi State. And all of those teams are on Southern Miss's side. Don't forget UAB. Yeah, yeah. I was saying they, they threw the shutout. Oh, okay. UA, yeah. UAB did. So those are all teams that you're. You know, when you look at the schedule right now, thank goodness that they don't have to play Marshall or, or Charlotte. Uh, because they played well on the other side of the ball. Where I'm going with this is this weekend, Southern Miss ought to beat Grambling. Even if the Eagles don't play their best game, they should beat, they should beat Grambling. Well, then you've got, and I know the coaches would say, look, one game at a time. I get it. But the week after that, you've got another Sun Belt team, this time coming to the Rock. A Troy team that is projected to finish higher than South Alabama. Okay, so forget the Grambling game. If Troy comes in here in two weeks and does to the Eagles what South Alabama did, albeit in Mobile, it's going to be a tough sell. Right. A tough sell for the rest of the season. Here's an interesting fact about Troy, Kelly. They opened against a uh, SWAC team. They opened against Southern University. They won the game 55-3. to So it's hard to gauge where you are playing a SWAC team. I get that. But, boy, I agree with you 100%. So then, Saturday's then, a must win. Don't underestimate that. That they have to win that game, and and that Troy game is pivotal uh, in yeah. in so far as how much uh, fan enthusiasm you're going to lose or gain uh, because you're going to get beat the weekend after that, obviously, and uh, you really need to win the next two games. And Southern Miss fans are notoriously fickle. Right? They're they're very quick on the bandwagon, but very quick off of the bandwagon as well. 
So that, that, that Troy game is pivotal because, as you mentioned, Bob, they're going to go to Alabama, which, gosh, I don't even want to think about that at this point. There won't even be a line in that game probably. Yeah, but, th- but then you come in you know, playing some teams who are off to very good starts. And Southern Miss was projected to finish fourth on their side of the, of the division. But right now, if, if, if the season was one week old, I mean, if you had to base your projection on teams after just one week, UTEP might be the only one that, that – and, and UTEP is 2-0. and They've played garbage other teams so far. But it's a UTEP team playing with some confidence – so man, let's hope. <laughs> yeah, McKellie Garbage has got a pretty good passing attack. I've seen what? them play a couple games, and uh, they can throw the ball around a little bit. Well, the Eagles were not able to do that uh, in the first game, and I no certainly question. hope that, that that's going to change. No question. Uh, Kelly was a. You, you commented on the turnout. It was a great turnout by Southern Miss fans. Uh, yeah. You know, and I heard him saying during the ESPN broadcast, we had had that announcer on this show. It does seem like it would be a it would be a logical thing for these two schools to do something long term home and home, right? I think so, and I think the Southern Miss people that were there, you know, enjoyed themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful, beautiful new stadium down there, and really the only parts of the stadium that weren't full were the extreme corners of the end zones and the upper deck. So it was a it was a good turnout, you know, for both schools. Um, but like I say, what, what what worries me now is in those recruiting wars. You, you would have to think on the surface that South Alabama has a really big advantage on Southern Miss. Got to win some of those games. That's exactly right. You're exactly right about that. Could be it could be a great rivalry though in the long term. You know if if the schools were to get together and uh, and we'll see about that. All right, Kelly's going to hang around with us. We've got one more segment uh, on a Tuesday that feels like a Monday on the Eagle Hour. Stay with us. the top final segment brought to you by dbat and d1 training on hardy street in hattiesburg dbathattiesburg.com appreciate their support of the eagle hour women's volleyball over the weekend uh, went one and two at the crimson tide invitational lost friday to buffalo three sets to one came back and defeated troy friday set uh, three sets to one and then lost a, a really close one they went up two to nothing over the lady crimson tide of alabama dropped the next two sets and then lost 16 to 14 in the deciding set so lady eagles go one and two at the crimson tide uh, invitational improved to f- five and two overall they will head to jacksonville alabama uh this coming weekend uh, to take part in the Jacksonville State Tournament. Soccer uh, won two over the weekend, Friday afternoon 
Boone defeated Little Rock 2-0. Then Jackson State uh, cruised yesterday 6-0. Coach Moe's women improved to 4-2, and and they get ready for a Friday contest in Starkville against Mississippi State. Also in soccer, Alex Helbling is named the Conference USA Goalkeeper of the Week as she gets a clean sheet in the last two matches. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander from the First Bank Studios. And uh, Kelly, uh, real quick, you look back at Conference USA over uh, over the last few days. Conference USA wins nine. UAB defeats Jacksonville State 31-0. Western Kentucky defeats UT Martin 59-21. FIU defeated Long Island 48-10. Charlotte uh, beat Duke of the ACC 31-28. Wake, or, uh, Old Dominion lost to Wake Forest 42-10. Florida Atlantic lost to Florida 35-14. Arkansas beat Rice 38-17. Marshall destroyed Navy 49-7. Mississippi State comes back, scores 20, or 21 in the fourth quarter to defeat Louisiana Tech 35-34. Middle Tennessee routes Monmouth 50-15. North Texas defeats Northwestern State 44-14. UTSA wins on the road at Illinois 37-30. UTEP defeats Bethune-Cookman 38-28. And, of course, uh, the Eagles fall to South Alabama 31-7. Kelly, uh, you and I were there, um, and it was hard, I guess, uh, like really last critique, it was hard with the game stoppages, and it just seemed like the extended commercials also. It was hard to get in a rhythm, especially in that first half. And I, 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 I greatly respect the referees because their job is to enforce the rules. So I'm not blaming the referees. But this this crap, if you'll allow me to use that word, of, about every other play, they're reviewing something. You know, when the Eagles, the running touchdown, all right, no, didn't count. Well, then they got to go back, you know, they look at the replay, no, he didn't score. All right, so the next play, boom, he's in. I mean, it, it seems like every other play they're having to review something. And I think in the long run, and I was sitting right next to the basketball coach, Jay Ladner, we were both commenting about this that I think what instant replay has done is allowed officials to be poor, is to do poor jobs. I don't think officials are as good as they used to be. And I think the reason they're not as good as they used to be is because they don't have to be. Because they've got, the, they've got instant replay. All right, well, we'll either make a call or not make a call, and then we'll leave it up to instant replay. And it, it takes way too much time to go under the hood to make these calls, and then you've got media timeouts because it seems like every game in college football now is televised on some platform. So you get maybe two minutes of playing time and then four minutes of timeouts, four minutes of replays, two minutes of action. Here's another TV timeout. It's just very difficult for any team to get in any rhythm. And a game that started at 7 o'clock in Mobile I think was over at 10.38. And that's, that's become standard, Kelly. I mean, college ha- football games have become so much longer than NFL games. Unless it's really an exhilarating game, it's kind of hard to hang in there for three and a half hours. It is. And especially, you know, if you're trying to watch one of these West Coast games that doesn't even start until 8, you know, you're up till, till close to midnight, and then you got people trying to drive home. It's just they need to do something about all of these replays because it's it's ruining – it's ruining the game experience. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And again, the referees let me tell are just you, doing what they're told to do. Let me tell you how tired I was after the game. We were trying to walk the uh, 1.2 miles back to the parking lot. I took an Abraham Lincoln out and started waving it at uh, at cars for a ride. 
And Bill Broadhead and I actually had a graduate student from South Alabama who's from North Mississippi pull over and give us a ride. I gave him five bucks, but I was thankful for him. He was a South Al guy, treated us with respect. Hey, real quickly, look, how did we do on the picks Friday? You said you were going to keep up with that this year for the first time. Yeah, so I was kind of eyebrowsing on a couple of the picks that Gary Grubbs made, but he actually beat us all. We went 10-3. and Each one of us went ten and three, a couple different games in there. Uh, Gary Grubbs goes eleven and two, and it was because he was the only one to pick South Alabama. Blood is thicker than water. About that, yeah. But you and I both picked Charlotte, Luke, in that that game. We both picked Charlotte, but none of you guys picked North Texas. I was perplexed as to why you all went with uh, Northwestern State, and then Kelly, you and I missed on the Illinois pick, UTSA one. No, I took I took on, on North Texas. No, Kelly, he's no. the re- he's the record no, keeper, you didn't. Kelly. Yeah. Oh, okay. You can't can't argue with the record keeper. And and Luke, let me give you a little bit of advice too. When it goes back to a car, you said he, you, you pulled out an Abraham Lincoln. Try pulling out a Benjamin Franklin. Like we do at Cambridge. <laughs> I've never lived quicker. in. Well, you don't live in Cambridge anymore, anymore. But you Sam. have a lot of Benjamin Franklins. Yeah. I'm just saying, you tend to have a lot more success that way. Just there saying. There we go. All right, uh, Patrick McGee will join us from New Orleans tomorrow. Kelly and I are working on some good guests for you the rest of the week. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.